0: This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Follow Buck on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.
1: Oh, so now we're supposed to think that a mediocre, below expectations jobs uh, jobs report is something to celebrate. Is this what the media is really going to tell us? You know, it's good. Joe Biden can go around. It's a great economy. I saw the things, the charts, you know, and I got all the smart people around me and, you know, Social justice. Blah, blah, blah. Equality. Blah, blah, blah. I'm gonna go play golf. Right. That's who's running the country now. Isn't that exciting? Now, we are seeing a repeat of the eight years of Obama when weak economic growth, weak job growth was somehow celebrated. Oh, because it's better than it was. They're going to be telling you soon. Look at the comparison between now and in the middle of the pandemic. Look at how much better it is. Joe Biden's great. And we'll all be saying that's because there's not a pandemic It has nothing to do with Joe Biden. But we'll get into that. You know, my friends, you know how important it is to help small businesses these days. You know how much they matter to me. And for a few weeks now, I've been telling you about a great company based out of Charleston, South Carolina called Allegiance Flag Supply. I love their story. Three friends who noticed that the American flags they had in front of their houses were constantly getting tangled, mildewed, torn, or shredded after just a few months in flight. They searched high and low for a better flag, but big box stores and Amazon purchases only turned up flags that were made in China, or even if they were made here in the U.S., felt mass-produced or spit out of some big machine, making thousands at a time with cheap materials. Like you and me, the flag means more to them, so they decided to do something about it. They started Allegiance Flag Supply out of their own garage and have built the company from the ground up. No investors, no loans, just their blood, sweat, tears, and time. And today they make the best American flags and accessories you can find on the market. So if you've been looking to purchase a flag for your home or you're too tired of the flag getting tangled or torn or shredded so quickly, go to showallegiance.com. Just go to that website, showallegiance.com and you'll find the highest quality American flags. Showallegiance.com. Make sure you enter promo code BUCK. That'll get you 10% off your purchase. Flag Day's coming up June 14th. Get your flag for the summer season by going to showallegiance.com and enter promo code BUCK for 10% off. U.S. employers added 559,000 jobs last month, well below what was expected. And the unemployment rate dip down from 6.1% to 5.8%. So we're crawling in the right direction, but we're supposed to think that this is great. Why? Well, because there's a Democrat in office. And because when there are Democrats who spend a lot of time talking about climate change and social justice and critical race theory and Marxism and its various iterations, businesses, people who actually have to function in the private sector, they make decisions that are a response to exactly what the Democrats are doing. And that means slower growth, less investment, less hiring. We all know this, but the American people forget, you see, they they have a Republican pro-business, leave you alone, let the American people prosper, president, and then enough of them forget, and they're told, oh, there's more free stuff out there. We're going to give you more free things. Just vote Democrat. And we just keep going through this cycle. I, I really wish that, well, we'd have to break through the generally now the uh, social media monopoly, as well as the mainstream corporate media's fire hose of disinformation to get people to understand what the truth is about the American economy and and what the Democrats are actually doing to it. But it's OK. We, we have a party, the Democrat Party, that is run effectively for the elites and the dependent class and special interests. People who are trying to make it, who are trying to build financial stability and then security and then even wealth, people that are in the fight, they don't matter to the Democrat Party. You want to be rich living in Malibu or you want to be a bureaucrat getting paid more than you're worth working for the government somewhere or you want to be demanding free college, free healthcare, free everything. That's that's the Democrat economic mantra. But I wanted to. Switch gears here for a second, uh, because it's it's troubling that we have to go through so many, uh, so many different versions of this same story. And we're going to continue to suffer through this before eventually enough people in the Democrat Party and enough of those who work in the media will have to relent from the madness of defund the police. Um, It's going to take time. It's going to require suffering. That's one of the the big problems of having the left in charge. Uh, They have quite a high tolerance for the suffering of others. You have to start with that. And they also create excuses for the suffering they create because it's all about their intentions, not about results. Oh, we wanted to create total equity among all people in America. So the fact that what we really did was make people less free, poorer, more dependent, more angry. That doesn't matter. You've seen this in plenty of centrally planned societies, centrally planned economies, and it plays out exactly as expected. With law enforcement these days, we all know what's going to continue to happen. They... Undermined the cops you have big spikes in murders and shootings all across the country you have major challenges now for cities it's not even really worth it to name them the top 50 cities in america basically are deteriorating going through greater crime greater dysfunction and what do they offer us in response well the media continues to look for every opportunity to find Some story of prejudice somewhere, some instance of a cop behaving badly, uh, using excessive force. And because there's such a focus on that, there is a disconnect. There is a sense among many that law enforcement is not doing a good job, that they are, in fact, the problem, that they are causing violence all across America when they are the solution to that violence. Largely the solution. There's many Things we could talk about that would help. But I'm, I'm seeing this story about a fiery riot in George Floyd Square in Minneapolis, because, as you know, St. George, George Floyd is now elevated, has been elevated to the status of a religious icon, a man who was a convicted felon and uh, had a long rap sheet who was killed by a police officer in Minneapolis is now treated as though he is a civil rights hero. This is the way that the story goes now. So he has a square. There are people that go there. There are vigils, you know, by candlelight or whatever. Well, now we have George Floyd Square smoldering because a number of BLM activists, rioters, protesters, whatever you want to call them, very angry. Why were they so upset? Well, because there was a man who was shot. By police in Minneapolis, Winston Boogie Smith, 32 years old, wanted for possession of a firearm by a felon, which is in itself a felony. He was outside a parking garage at about two o'clock yesterday, three miles from George Floyd Square. U.S. Marshals. I've worked with some of those individuals. I know them well. uh, U.S. Marshals uh, swooped in to arrest him. He was in a parked car and he. According to police, and yes, there will be and should be an investigation, and we should make sure that this is what happened. But they say that he pulled a handgun, and then they fired on him. Now, Mister Mister Smith had uh, twenty arrests; was somebody who was uh, violating his probation for aggravated robbery. So this is a man who's been in trouble with the law many, many times. He's a felon in possession of a firearm. He's committed robberies, committed serious crimes, aggravated robbery. And the police tried to arrest him. He pulled a the gun. They shot him. If the police are not able to use force in a situation like this, again, assuming that the investigation finds that that is what happened, but we have no reason to believe as of now that is not what happened. If the police can't use force in that situation, then they are effectively incapable of doing their jobs and they won't want to do their jobs they're not going to show up why would they why put your life on the line in such a way you can't even defend yourself it's dangerous enough when you can use lethal force but now if you have to use your service weapon whether you're a u.s marshal or state or local police or whatever law enforcement agency you're with if you can't respond to a lethal threat with lethal force you got to find another job. What does that mean for society? But I also want to know, why do we not have a a disdain? Why is there not vitriol? Uh, there, There should be such a repudiation of the kind of actions that we see here in George Floyd Square afterwards. They're they're looting stores. They looted a CVS. They're they're lighting dumpsters on fire for what? What does that accomplish? What does that show? Is this really now just a movement that's an excuse for people who are angry, who are frustrated, who are often acting in a way that is childish, that is selfish? Looting stores, destroying buildings, destroying property because something happened that, quite honestly, has nothing to do with any of these individuals. They weren't there. They don't know what happened. But they loot and they riot and they burn anyway. And does anyone in the corporate media aligned with the Democrat Party show disgust? Does anybody go on TV and say, this is grotesque? You are dishonoring the member, uh, the memory of uh, St. George Floyd. You are dishonoring whatever the BLM movement actually stands for. As you know, it's an anti-cop movement, but sometimes they pretend it's about police reform or something like that. And that this is not acceptable in a civilized country. You don't just respond to reports of a police-involved shooting by burning down, looting, and destroying. You don't do that. It's, not, it's never okay. It's not okay now and won't be okay in the future. They won't say that. No, there's so much pandering. Oh, the, the BLM activists... We, we don't want to upset them. The corporate media, so many of them millionaires who live in uh, not diverse neighborhoods, I might add, and send their children to not diverse schools, private schools, and then go on TV and lecture all the rest of you about criminal justice and the need to do more for for BIPOC uh, communities. And you say, what are you doing? CNN anchor, what are you doing, New York Times editorial board, other than feeding into false narratives and lies that lead to this kind of completely unacceptable conduct? This is this is just pathetic. It's pathetic. It's a babyish tantrum in the name of justice. Yeah, I'm sure the people who work at CVS who have to clean up the mess the next day after the looting happens, I'm sure they feel like it's really about justice. Do they count too? never mind all the all the law enforcement officers that will have to deal with uh, the rioters that they have to wrestle to the ground that throw things at them that just resist arrest all of this stress and anger and destruction for what? Because some people refuse to live in the real world. And the Democrat Party has concocted a very convenient narrative for those who don't want to be held accountable, who don't want to show individual responsibility and initiative for their actions. BLM activists running around telling lies about law enforcement helps nobody. And I just wish the Democrats would knock the crap off And be honest about this, but it's not going to happen. Essential for their power to continue this lie. It's always good to hear voices out there that will speak the truth, even when it's not fashionable in much of our culture, even when it's not going to get you a lot of praise by the corporate media, by the hashtag brigades in these left wing social media giant uh, corporations. But it's still good to hear the truth, isn't it? And I have no illusions here. I always tell people, if you believe that the truth is what people want to hear, you haven't spent a lot of time walking around uh, America lately. Some people want to hear it. I would certainly make the case that they listen to shows like this one. They want to hear the truth. Not everybody wants to hear the truth, though. Oh, no, definitely not. Uh, But when you hear it and and you're somebody who does appreciate it, Oh, it is sweet, isn't it? Here is a, a father, a black father, with his daughter, uh, speaking about his view of individuals and race and critical race theory. And it's just brilliant. He just He makes so much sense, and all of it, it all comes together so well i just want to let you listen to this if we find out this gentleman's name by the way i want to give him credit for it but it was just a video a viral video that's been making the rounds uh the last couple of days here's what he says play 12.
2: daddy teaches you can be anything in this world that you want to be right don't daddy teach you that yeah and it doesn't matter if you're black or white or any color doesn't matter if you're black white brown yellow Yellow. Right? Block. And and how we treat people is based on who yeah. they are and not and what color nice. they are. And if they're nice and smart. See, this is how this is how children think right here. Critical race theory wants to end that. Not with my children. It's not gonna happen. My baby's gonna know that no matter what she wants to be in life, all she has to do is work hard and she can become that. Work hard even though you don't know anyone, you can make friends. <laughs> Yeah, you can make friends, no matter what color they are. So we need to stop CRT, period, point, blank. Children do not see skin color, man. They love everybody. If they're good people, they love them.
1: If they're good people, they love them. What matters is, are you nice, are you smart? These are some of the most basic messages. I remember being a, a preschooler, and, and this was what we were all being instructed uh, about we we're all being told well, all that matters is how a person is how they treat you how they treat other people and this gentleman's name is cory yeshua this was posted on tiktok the uh, social media platform that i know some of you are concerned about chinese surveillance via tiktok but anyway i'm actually I, I i use tiktok i don't really post on there but i'm on it sometimes Corey yeshua went viral with this video with his daughter royalty who is particularly adorable, uh, if you watch the video, she's really cute, and she's six years old, and he's just speaking simple truths. He's just saying things that we had all thought in America, we, we had come to this point where we agreed that these things were universal. They were obvious, in fact, and essential that a person's skin color does not matter. That treating every human being as a human being, and that Judging them by, yes, the content of their character instead of the color of their skin, to borrow from Martin Luther King, is what matters. But we're going we're being pushed in this opposite direction now as a country where we have to think of of racial identity in everything that is going on around us all the time and that there should be decisions, distinctions made based upon skin color. This is a this is a a moral Failing. This is not something that we can allow to continue as it is. And when you have individuals like Corey Yeshua, who is who is black and his daughter, who is black and you know, six years old, who are seeing things with this clarity, it's just it's encouraging. It makes me think that maybe we will be able to push back this tide of CRT nonsense. I mean, there's so there's so many levels where it's wrong. It all falls apart. I, I always wonder, you know, I, I have, uh, you know, in, in my own family, my, my little nephew would be somebody of, of two races. My adorable little nephew is of two races. So how, is, is he BIPOC when he grows up? Is he going to be told he has to be BIPOC? Does he, does he choose one for identity purposes over the other or... You know it, the whole thing. It, this is just all a construct used by people who want to sow division and pull us apart and control. This is for power for those who are pushing this narrative. This is because they want to tell you what to do and they want things for themselves. And I'm talking about people like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and many others. Right. This is this is the entire left people who are on the left of all races they they view critical race theory and the social justice left as a mechanism for achieving power as a mechanism for advancing themselves at the expense of others in society and using the state to accomplish that using the government and the force of the government to those ends it's it's troubling to see but as long as we have enough Corey Yeshua's and royalty Yeshua's in this country who are willing to speak the truth. We've got We've got a fighting shot at being the America. I know we can be your online data and online identity is constantly under attack that much. We know for sure. Big tech is constantly looking for ways to withhold and use your information to sell. So what's the best way to keep your privacy and operate in business and in your personal life. When you're doing anything online, introducing secure, the 100% privacy and security-focused instant messaging and email platform located in Switzerland. Why in Switzerland? That's the country with the world's strictest data privacy laws in effect. Secure, that's S-E-K-U-R, very important we get the spelling here, S-E-K-U-R, Secure is hailed by privacy advocates globally in the assurance that their data is truly kept safe by proprietary technology independent platform, and military-grade encryption methods. Your data is yours alone. Secure does not data mine, use, or sell your data. Experience the ultimate bliss of knowing that your privacy is not in jeopardy from the prying hands of big tech. It's time to take back your privacy. Welcome to Secure. Go to this website now, secure.com. That's S-E-K-U-R, secure.com. Use the coupon code BUCK for one week free and 25% off. It's a great deal. Be sure to use coupon code BUCK. Go to secure, S-E-K-U-R.com and regain your
3: privacy online. And so in Florida, we chose freedom over Fauciism and we're much better off for doing that. I think his lockdown policies were not justified by the scientific data. He was somebody that fear mongered about schools. He did not support Florida uh, when we had our kids in school in person. I think he was wrong about mass and asymptomatic spread. And then obviously he does so many interviews that it was pretty clear to me after a pretty short time, you know, this was all about himself and his own Mm -hmm. image. And for me, you look at that magazine cover with him lounging by the pool with the sunglasses on, you know, right in the midst of a pandemic. I mean, it was almost like a let them eat cake moment for all the people who were chafing under his lockdowns. And yet he seemed to be having the time of his life.
1: I can't tell you how proud I am, not just of what we've done on this show during the during the course of the pandemic to combat Fauciism, But how many of you listening were really supportive, told me to keep it going, stay in the fight, don't drop this issue, don't shy away from it, don't get weak on it, go right into it. You know what's true. So thank you to all of you that were writing in and and sending us words of encouragement and, and support because now, yeah, now anybody who's reasonable and honest sees that Fauci is a is a smug little totalitarian lab coat fraud. Uh, but there was a long time when social media would shut you down for contradicting Fauciism, for criticizing, for saying that it was wrong. There was a long time when you were considered a, some kind of conspiracy nut, a loon for even questioning St. Fauci. And I think we can all see now, what, a, what an utter disaster this guy has been. And it didn't have to be this way at all. I don't just mean it didn't have to be this way for the country with the bad decisions that were pushed on all of us by Fauciism. I mean that he could have been a bureaucrat in the background doing his job. There, there was no reason for him to come forward and be the face of our response to the pandemic. But this guy loved the limelight. You know, he's, he's older. What, what else what, what else is he waiting for, right? This, this was his big chance. This was his big moment. And he seized it and then some. But unfortunately, he was weighed and found wanting. Not a, a good showing from, uh, from Fauci at all. And that's why people like Ron DeSantis are now pointing out that this was not necessary. And Ron DeSantis has done such an incredible service for the country, because if it was not for if it wasn't for Florida, uh, we would not be in a position that we're currently in, where reasonable, rational people are going are just living their lives now. People who are no longer, or, or people rather who are, are still living with lockdown restrictions voluntarily in any capacity, they are suffering from an anxiety disorder. They ha- they have a mental illness, perhaps low grade, but they have a problem. Because there's no basis for this anymore. There's no basis in reality, in real risk factors, in real risk mitigation. But that's what happens when you have a steady diet of absurdity from Fauci and the rest. Here's the statement by Donald Trump, 45th president of the United States on this one. I just want to read this to you. This just came out yesterday. After seeing the emails, our country is fortunate I didn't do what Dr. Fauci wanted me to do. For instance, I closed our borders to China very early, despite his not wanting them closed. The Democrats and the fake news media even called me a xenophobe. In the end, we saw this was a life-saving decision, and likewise, likewise with closing our borders to Europe, specifically to certain heavily infected countries. I was later given credit, even by Tony, for saving hundreds of thousands of lives. Dr. Fauci also didn't put an emphasis on speed of vaccine production because he thought it would take three, four, or maybe even five years to create. I got it done in less than nine months with Operation Warp Speed. In retrospect, the vaccine is saving the world. Then I placed the greatest bet in history. We ordered billions of dollars worth of vaccines before we knew it even worked Had that not been done, our wonderful vaccines would not have been administered until October of this year. No one would have had the shot that has now saved the world and millions of lives. This is very important. What is the one truly successful component of our response to COVID-19? The vaccine. The vaccine. Now, that's not to say that I'm, I'm telling everybody, oh, you have to get the vaccine or everything else. I'm just saying, the one thing that does work, if you are a senior citizen, this vaccine brought your risk down tremendously and made it much, much safer for you to just live your life normally. You know, if you're 75 and up, this vaccine was certainly uh, a lifesaver for many of them and for other people too who had comorbidities or at high risk. And it looks like now we are getting to a place closer to herd immunity where there, won't even, there just won't be the room for this virus to spread in the way it had in the past, which means that everybody will be at lower risk, too. That's, that's part of the premise of herd immunity. Right? If there are fewer vectors for the disease in the first place because of people having protection, including from natural immunity, which doesn't get factored into anything the Biden administration is talking about, we're all better off. But the vaccine at Operation Warp Speed was an enormous success. The lockdowns, the mask mandates, all this stuff was an enormous failure. We should all be very honest about that. We should see it for what it is. What they told us did not work. It did not work. And now that the truth seems to be coming out or beginning to come out about Dr. Fauci, I'm glad that people are finally willing to ask questions about this whole process the cover-up, which we talked about a lot yesterday, of the origins or the, origi- the, the thinking in the early days about the origins of COVID-19, that cover-up is remarkable when you really start to piece it all together and pretty terrifying that the scientific community could move so quickly to this kind of false consensus for what are obviously political reasons, should give everybody a chill up their spine. Really? We were supposed to believe that scientists were better than this. That's at least the, that was the the public perception of it. We're supposed to believe that. But the truth is it's a shame, but the same leftist indoctrination that has overtaken universities, journalism, corporate boardrooms, has also churned out new generations of woke scientists and social justice-obsessed doctors. And now these are all professions that the public will generally trust less going forward, and rightfully so. I mean, if you need a refresher on this, never forget that our blue check public health experts, the ones appearing on CNN and MSNBC night after night, told us that paddling a surfboard alone at the beach in California was basically murdering old people. But thousands and thousands of BLM protesters and rioters in close quarters, hundreds and hundreds of times all across the country, screaming at police, spittle flying out of their mouths. Well, that was somehow saving lives during the pandemic, according to the public health experts. Do not trust journalists and do not trust any public health bureaucrat. Check their work always. If you take it on faith, you are going to be fooled. Check their work. Check the work of Dr. Fauci specifically. Former uh, Secretary of State Pompeo had quite an observation, and that is Fauci has a a strange habit of sounding very much like talking points from the Chinese Communist Party. Fauci seems to take a very pro-Chinese government position. He keeps acting like the scientists who work in, uh, work in state-funded uh, laboratories, state-run laboratories in China. Oh, they're fine. They're not subject to any pressures or anything. They're his treasured colleagues. This is Fauci. Isn't that quite strange? It's bothersome, isn't it? Here we have uh, Pompeo saying exactly that. Play 10.
4: When you heard Dr. Fauci this morning, Laura, those are the exact same words, the exact same excuses, the exact same theories that the Chinese Communist Party has presenting for over a year now. Uh, we, we, We can all draw our own conclusions, I know this. We had a group inside the State Department, Miles Yu, a handful of others working diligently to get this information out to the American people so the world could see what the Chinese Communist Party had done to all of us.
1: Yes. The world should see that. But remember this, because I, I think that this has gotten lost in a lot of this discussion. Um, while, while we see everything going on here, the... Uh, It was clear that the Democrat Party and federal health bureaucracy, which are really the same thing, were so interested in protecting China's government from blame for the covid-19 outbreak that it was more important to them to blame Trump and win the election in 2020 than to get it right and hold the CCP accountable. They would rather lie to all of you and the whole world about the origins of COVID-19, even though that means we're more susceptible to another outbreak, we're not as able to understand how this happened, how we should deal with it. That didn't matter. All that mattered to the Democrat Party and their aligned media mouthpieces was defeating Trump in 2020. If that meant running cover for China, they were fine with that. They had no problem with that. In fact, they saw it as an opportunity as as disgraceful as that is. They saw it as an opportunity. They, they managed to convince just enough people to blame Trump for covid as if, as if, you know, he was serving bat soup himself or experimenting with gain of function research at Mar-a-Lago. These people are nuts.
5: We're generally peacemakers, right? But that's our problem. Our campaign and electioneering asymmetry has left us in the position where we are watching democracy collapse. So, you know, it is time. I mean, it's kind of like being, you know, attacked in Pearl Harbor. We had Pearl Harbor, right? We've been living through it. It's been a slow running event, but, you know, with Trump's, um, you know, comments about election integrity from the beginning, I mean, beginning of the presidential cycle, we now see uh, about 35 percent of our fellow Americans think that Joe Biden stunned the, stole the presidency and they're seeing that message reinforced all through their ecosystem right? right and what our side is seeing is not that stuff right many people who vote in, voted in this uh, like what I call the Trump against Trump coalition they've tuned back out they are complacent
1: 2403 people Americans were killed at Pearl Harbor okay? Uh, can, can we stop with the idiocy about the January 6th insurrection? It was like worse than 9-11, worse than Pearl Harbor. It was the worse than the than the bubonic plague. It was the worst thing. That, I mean, can can they just stop? No, they won't. Though I, I say that, and I know you're saying no, Buck. They're not going to stop because they're emotion. These are emotionally damaged, deeply unhappy people that are popping up all over. You know, MSNBC and CNN, these libs, these sad Marxists have to find a way to explain their constant need to both control you and to live in abject fear. They want to tell you what to do all the time and how you have to do everything, but also, oh my gosh, I'm so scared of you. you know, what is this? This whole storyline that, you know, we're, we're in this crisis of democracy because of people who think that Donald Trump won the election or whatever it is, 60%, maybe even as high as 70%, of Democrats thought that Russia stole the election from, uh, from Hillary Clinton the year after the 2016 election. Huge majorities of Democrats believed that crap. Okay? They believed it. A large percentage, I've got to go back and check the numbers, a large percentage of Democrats thought that Russia actually changed votes in the voting machines. You can go back; you can go back and see these numbers yourself. And now, after four years of that, which is you know a, a completely Looney Tunes, insane conspiracy theory, after four years of that, now they turn around and say, "Oh, but 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 people don't people think that." Democrats cheated to get Joe Biden to win. Our democracy is in crisis. Are, are Republicans out burning stuff and lighting things on fire and freaking out and acting like maniacs? No, we're doing our jobs, taking care of our families, obeying the law, and you know, hopefully, tuning into the Buck Sexton show, especially the Clay and Buck show, starting in a few weeks, twelve to three on four hundred plus stations, roughly across the country. That's hopefully what they're doing. Uh that's what we well that's what we're doing and hopefully you'll join me. But you're doing all the other stuff. No. We're responsible well-adjusted human beings. All right? They they don't get to do this thing where they riot and loot and pillage and act like maniacs all the time on the left. And one time there was a riot and people got out of hand and broke the law and they were on the ideological right and we get to hear about it always and forever. This is I told you as soon as it happened we're going to this is going to be, you know, 9-11 for the next 10 years. You hear about this all the time. And they'll use it to justify whatever truly abhorrent, thuggish, destructive behavior the Democrat base and the Marxist left wants to engage in. I knew it would happen. As soon as I saw it, I'd, oh my God, playing right into their hands. That's what the people on that day who engaged in the riots where well, they did play right, uh, the, the biggest help they could have given the authoritarian democrats imaginable and, and i just you know it's so disapp- it's so sad it really is and i know there were so many tens of thousands of people who were just in dc that day who were there to peacefully protest and enjoy their first amendment rights but you know we don't we don't live in a fair media environment where that context is ever given we we don't get the Mostly peaceful protest designation on the right. We don't even get the what we should get, which is the ninety nine point nine percent of our protests, of our gatherings, whether it's Tea Party or any number of things, are lawful and law abiding. You know, but one time, and this is all we hear about. One time, and it's like Pearl Harbor. I and mean, how could someone go on TV and say something so stupid? and not be laughed at by everybody, regardless of political party across the country? Well, because the Democrats are living in a mass delusion. The Biden administration formally ended the remain in Mexico policy of the Trump administration this week at our southern border. We've got that and other hot, hot topic political issues to get into here with our friend Ryan Gruduski. He's a political consultant and author of They're Not Listening, How the Elites Created a National Populist revolution. Mr. Godusky, always good to have you. Thank you for having me back. So the Biden administration response to what's going on at the border is to really clarify that they don't want this to stop. And Kamala Harris is now saying she's going to be like the voting rights czar instead of the border czar. She wants no part of it. What's going on here?
0: Right. Well, she's not she has never visited the border while she's been vice president. So that's Uh, very discouraging neither has Joe Biden you know to listeners who don't understand the border situation is the worst it's been in decades Um, it is fundamentally an open border there are so many people crossing into the border right now that to uh, kind of mitigate the situation and make it go faster they've stopped issuing court dates to migrants so they say to them go to your city of destination wherever you're going New York Chicago wherever it may be Find an ICE office, say you're here illegally, and then get a court date, which of course will never happen. It is is functionally an open border right now. And what the New York Times said this week, which was shocking, was that they've discovered so many people from India, Southeast Asia, the Middle East, Africa coming through our southern border, going and flying to Mexico and then crossing the southern border where they know they can get in. Which is ironic because Joe Biden has issued no travel advisory stuff towards a lot of these countries because of the coronavirus. So you cannot fly directly to India, but you can fly from India to Mexico and then from Mexico walk to the United States. And that's what is happening time and time again. They found already, I think, two Yemeni people who are on the terror watch list. Um, there's warnings that many, many more could be coming in that are on the terror and no fly list. Uh, the terror watch list and no fly list it's a functionally open border and it's so manufactured this was not this was not the case before joe biden won the, the elected office because they know he's not going to do anything about it and for decades we've heard democrats and we've heard progressives sit there and say you know we want to help the situation it's just people who are here illegally already no they want to sit there and exacerbate the situation and make sure we're in a full-on humanitarian crisis you know, and I was on a plane uh, flight to New Orleans a few weeks ago, and I saw an, uh, a, a minor who was clearly here illegally. He didn't speak English. He had a translator. They escorted him on the plane. He got one of those comfort seats on taxpayer money, um, and they escorted him off the plane first. And so many liberals like look at a kid like this, you know, probably 12 or 13 years old. And they think, oh, it's so much better. He'll have opportunity for a better life than he did in Honduras or El Salvador, Guatemala. Those teenagers are the primary, pr- primary targets for MS-13 and, and the Latin Kings and the 13th Street Gang. All the gangs of made up compromise of large portions of non-citizens in this country. Look at that as a recruiting method. They look at a lot of these kids as recruiting methods for new members. And most of the people, by the way, who are coming are not coming as women and children. They are men of working age coming for, for jobs. Um, but carrying diseases, we have no idea. They're not being tested for medical diseases. They're not being seen if they have coronavirus or new strands of the coronavirus that are, um, you know, that would work against vaccines or, or, or not work with vaccines. Um, and, and people clearly have been arrested on the terror watch list. It is a huge national security, economic, um, humanitarian crisis. It has made billions of dollars for the cartel and coyotes and human smugglers. It is so irresponsible. And it just shows That anyone pretending that there's some kind of bipartisan compromise that we could have um, on on the issue of immigration and border are lying to you. Because if they were – listen, I mean because of our 14th Amendment, an illegal alien cannot give birth to another illegal alien. They become American citizens. If we were to just stop any future illegal immigration, the situation would go away on its own over the course of decades as people die or they move back home. Um, it would not be a situation. The fact that the Biden administration has turned a blind eye to that, bringing over tens of thousands per month, hundreds of thousands per month in in one case, or 100,000 plus per month in one case, um, uh, across the border, and are turning a blind eye to it and are taking away the controls the Trump administration had to sit there and stop this. The safe third country agreements remain, remain in Mexico. These were wildly successful things that he did on illegal immigration. Wildly successful... And they're being ripped apart, you know, point by point for nothing besides political reasons.
1: We're speaking to Ryan Gerdusky, author of They're Not Listening, How the Elites Created a National Populist Revolution. He's a political consultant. And and to that end, Ryan, are are we seeing any indicators? I know it's early midterms or people are like, oh, the midterms, you know, they're not going to want to talk about it until we're really in the cycle. But it's going to come pretty quickly here. But from any of the indicators, polling we can see, or even just, what you pick up from from other people who are thinking about or, or already working on campaigns, um, you know, at the ground level. Is this is this costing Democrats? It feels like the borders open. The media tries to avoid covering it. And a lot of Americans don't care because they don't know how bad it is. Is is that what's going on here?
0: Right. Well, in Arizona, the number one issue now is immigration. It's, it's replaced coronavirus in the economy and a lot of border areas. It's immigration. Um Uh, you know, I think that they don't, they don't see it. So they don't know how bad it's happening. And it's funny when you look at polling for Joe Biden, it's pretty much a mixed bag on a few issues like the economy and foreign policy. It's very negative on Israel. It's very negative on immigration. Um, And the one thing that he is benefiting from, the one thing that's saving the Democrats is the coronavirus vaccine, which was created under Trump. It's the biggest irony in the entire world. I just don't know how long he can possibly milk that for. Um, Given that our job numbers, which came out today, were pretty horrendous. I think they underreported for a second straight month by 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 a huge number, huge margins. Um, the amount of workers in the people in the workforce is, uh, you know, lower than it's been in a very long time. People are not looking for jobs um, because they have higher unemployment. It, it is it is uh, it's it's a dire situation. So how it's going to affect the rush of the 2022 elections. No one really knows yet. They keep looking to these special elections like they're like they're tea leaves. I'm telling you, most special elections do not guarantee the outcome of a presidential election or a midterm election. They can show signs, but it's it's very often they don't show anything. The election in New Mexico, where Democrats had a big victory last week is probably not a guarantee for anything because only 38 percent or 39 percent of the population that voted in 2020 showed up in that election. Um, In Texas, six in in a suburb of Dallas, Republicans had a big victory three weeks before. Um, Republicans also had a big victory in Pennsylvania. The midterms are going to come down to essentially, especially in the Senate, they're going to come down to a handful of states: North Carolina, where there's a retiring Republican; Ohio, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin; those are all Republican health seats. And the Democrat health seats will be New Hampshire. Um, Nevada, Arizona, and Georgia. And those eight or nine races, maybe Missouri, if there's a fluke, and Democrats win a lot, but those eight or nine races decide the entire United States Senate. We don't have a redistricting map yet, so we have to see how much they redistrict in these other states and make you know swing things for Democrats or Republicans, depending on who controls um, the redistricting process. So it, it's, it's a little too early now to sit there and, and make the claim that we're going to have things move one way or the other, um, you know, but certainly things are not looking as rosy for Democrats um, as they were just a few months ago. I, I think the election national election was like D plus like four or D plus five. It's looking more and more now like it's D plus two and we're still a year and a half away. Um, and if that happens and it, it, it becomes a, a dead even race, you'll look at Republicans taking the House. Definitely. And uh, we'll wait and see what happens with the Senate.
1: We're speaking to Ryan Gerdusky. He's a political consultant and author of They're Not Listening. Ryan, the maniacal fixation from pundits, the media and the Democrat, uh, you know, the Democrat ruling elites on January 6th, it seems like they're running a contest every day to come up with the most outrageous and absurd thing to say it's like nine eleven, it's like Pearl Harbor, it's the worst thing to happen in America since the Civil War, right? I mean, these are things that they're directly saying. I'm, I'm not exaggerating. I mean, those are all quotes in one form or another. I mean, those are all the kinds of comparisons that are being made. Does this, does, is, is this one of these things where it's like Russia collusion, which was a, an enormous fixation for the media, but actually in the midterms, people cared about healthcare? Or do you think that this is, Actually, you know, a a, a tool for the Democrats to mobilize their base and to get votes. Is is this like a a preoccupation of the elites or is this real?
0: No, this is all fake. I mean, no one outside of the Virginia, Maryland, D.C. corridor actually care about this issue whatsoever. No one cares. This is what they're hoping. Listen, it's like the old expression of God didn't exist. We'd have to make him up. Um, well, Trump doesn't exist on social media. I mean, now he does. He's on Instagram and Facebook, I guess. But he really doesn't exist on social media. He's not what he was. He's not in, in the presidency anymore. So they've had to stir up, you know, that Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene or, you know, and Lauren Boebert they're the new trumps and they're they're having to sit there and create this you know national anxiety again over issues because for a year i mean ratings were super high the press was full of election stories and trump stories and january 6th and coronavirus stories and now look at the ratings i mean cnn regularly does not have a million people watch their show at any given time um and I think that they're looking for something to set their engine up people into a national anxiety. But people can't live like that for years and years and years and years. And, uh, and I think that a lot of people are just exhausted with, with the amount of chaos. And I've been, I've been all over the country. And at this point, I mean, a lot of people have just they've checked out of the coronavirus hype. They've checked out of, of, of the political hype. So, you know, Joe Biden being this innocuous figure who very rarely gives press conferences, no one really sees what he does, has um, is, is, is been to their benefit, but it's been to the media's uh, – it's been worse for the media. That's why I think, I, I think every major uh, show on CNN and MSNBC covered that Trump shut down his blog. This is not a major news story in in the slightest, but they have to sit there and gin up something that they need something to sit there and keep, you know, the the Chardonnay Antifa resistance moms uh, clicking onto their network. So they got really nothing right now.
1: Yeah, it is amazing how much they still really want to talk about Trump which is quite odd because even people that support and voted for Trump are like, OK, we're not talking about Trump right now. We got other things we're trying to talk about, but they, they right, still exactly. want to they want to go back to that. Well, they haven't given it up yet. And I think
0: this I think this upcoming election is probably the most important election for the Republican Party since 1980. And I'll say this, well, maybe since 2016 and 1980, because now that Trump is no longer in office, I mean, Trump really went after some traditional Republican orthodoxy for a very long time as far as what it's like to believe in. An industrial policy, an immigration policy, a foreign policy different than George W. Bush and from John McCain and Mitt Romney and previous Republicans. And there are going to be candidates who are really uh, who are running for office that really believe in those values, that really want to change uh, the system. There's a lot that I've spoken to. And then there's other ones who are going to sit there and have a MAGA bumper sticker on their campaign bus. But they're going to be the same old thing. And depending on who wins a lot of these primaries, these Senate offices and these governorships and these House candidates, we will see a new Republican Party or we will see uh, the same Republican Party with a MAGA bumper sticker on their on their bus door.
1: Right now, someone forces you to answer the question is Trump really gonna run again what's your feeling
0: no I've said this I've said I've been i been on the record no he branded the term 45 which is if you're branding the number rather than the rather than the candidate it assumes that he's not going to run again there's so much excitement behind Ron DeSantis right now in Florida I think the base really really wants him I was saying to a pollster yesterday I said you know no one realizes this but this it's 1978 and and Ron DeSantis is Donald Trump, and we're just waiting for him to run. Uh, I don't think that there's any kind of confusion behind it. I think we all really know who we want. Um, and, and, you know, I don't think there's not support for other people like Nikki Haley or, uh, you know, other nonsense candidates. But we have our guy who's right on almost every issue and is willing to at least – at least if he's not right, he's willing to sit there and try. And maybe he there's not the perfect answer on everything, he's willing to go to bat – and I just don't see how it's not. I just don't see how it's not Ron DeSantis at this point. I mean, something could randomly happen, and there could be a huge scandal, or he could lose the governorship re-election. I find it very, very, very difficult to sit there and see a way that it's not. Yeah,
1: I've been I've been waiting for Ron DeSantis to know me, and it it, <laughs> it hasn't happened. Where you go, oh, okay, so you actually aren't what we thought you are, and aren't willing to fight. He hasn't done it yet. So it's
0: hard. You want to? You, wanna, you don't want to get excited about a politician because they disappoint you so often, yep. but it, he hasn't, and I'm just, it, it gives me more anxiety that he hasn't than it
1: that I feel was. exactly, I was just talking about this like a couple <laughs> weeks ago, how I feel like, I, I gotta say something negative about him, just for my own My own head, because every day I'm just doing like the Ron DeSantis, you know, celebration party here. And that's not how that's not the kind of show I do for anybody. But he keeps he's not tired of winning, Ryan. He's actually not tired of winning. I'm like, (laughs) so. So there's that. Ryan Gurdusky. everybody check out. uh, They're not listening. His book, my man, the political consultant. Good to see you. Thank you.
6: Well, it shows the connection between what happened after the 2020 election and what is continuing to escalate in new battlefronts
1: around the country and in new ways. And and Anderson, I think it's really important to note. This is no
5: longer about the former president and whether or not uh, he's happy with the results of the election. This is about the future of our democracy. And you know, hear a lot of talk about
1: efforts to right the wrongs of November. And what that is really talking about is actually what you just pointed out, which is that the November election success was in the fact that more people voted than ever before. Extraordinary high turnout. And we have to see... This spread of misinformation as an effort
5: uh, not just to placate a former candidate or former president, but to suppress the vote in the future, deter people from participating, cause people to lose faith in our democracy and disengage so that people don't turn out in high numbers in the future.
1: It's about the future of our democracy. Michigan Secretary of State there, someone you've never heard of before. Um, But yeah, it's about the future of democracy. Everything, everything now about the Democrat Party is the future of our democracy. I mean, it's, it's astonishing how easy it is to get Democrats to all just repeat the same talking points and hysteria. But people who have really lost a, a perspective on reality are, are very easy to get worked up about something. Uh, the, the country, our, our system of government and all this, it's, it's fine. They really need to take a deep breath. There's no insurrection coming. There was no insurrection. All right, there was a a riot that was you know handled quickly by Capitol Hill police and and whatever you know backup arrived, and Congress was in session a couple of hours after it, and everything happened, and everything. You know, it's they they just need they need to calm down, and you've know, had you know notice that this this is one of the problems you also see. You know, the fact that so many conservatives, I mean, so many people in conservative media all criticized the the riot right away and said, this is not what we're about. This is bad. Didn't do what the left does with BLM. Yeah, we need to hear the voices of the oppressed or whatever. No, we said this is stupid. It's it's hurting our side. It's breaking the law. It's helping the other side. It didn't. It doesn't matter, though, right? That we have principles is never actually taken into account in these discussions because the left doesn't have principles and they don't care. So makes things a lot easier for them. But this is the worst thing since Pearl Harbor. We're watching our democracy collapse. You know, This is the worst thing since the Civil War. You know, this constant siege mentality from people who are in charge right now and really, you know, getting their way on a whole lot of issues. Where, where is this sense that, they're, that the Democrats, the left, are under constant threat? I mean, they're under threat of being exposed for being bad at governance. I mean, they're under threat of us making fun of them because their ideas stink. But they're not under threat. Neither is our democracy. And this kind of talk is just it's it's a, it's meant to create a, a atmosphere of hysteria that then justifies actual oppression. Right. This is this is the tactic. This is what they do. And they're going to keep at it, unfortunately. Does it make sense that the same company who controls half of online retail also passively eavesdrops on your private conversations at home? What about the idea that a single company controls 90% of Internet searches, runs your email service, and gets to track everything you do on your smartphone? Big tech is more powerful than most countries are, and they profit by exploiting your personal data and tracking everything you do. It's time to put a layer of protection between your online activity and these tech juggernauts. That's what I do. That's why I use ExpressVPN. All right, think about how much of your life is on the Internet. Every site you visit, every video you watch, every message you send is tracked and data mined. But when you use ExpressVPN on your device, the software they have hides your IP address. ExpressVPN makes your activity harder to trace and sell to advertisers. And it does all this without slowing your connection and encrypts 100% of your internet data to keep you safe from hackers and eavesdroppers. And it's so easy to use and set up. You need ExpressVPN today. Stop handing over your personal data to big tech. Visit expressvpn.com slash buck that's expressvpn.com slash buck to get three extra months free. Just go to expressvpn.com slash buck right now to learn more.
2: I mean, you have said that there should be a presidential commission on democracy. I don't disagree with you. But if we can't even get a commission and the president has said he's not going to do a blue ribbon commission of his own on January 6th, what else can be done to make sure that the full truth of January 6th comes out in your view?
1: Well, I mean, the first part of the thing is to demonstrate that this is the most important issue of our time. I, and I think it's actually the most important issue in the last 150 years since the Civil War, because we're at that point in our history where this could really fall apart. Our, our, our grand experiment could completely fall apart. So I think the president could start with demonstrating every single day this is the most important issue of our time. Get a grip, Lib. Get a grip. This guy, Dowd, I cannot... I cannot believe that this guy was ever taken seriously by anybody in the Republican Party. But he was. This guy ran Bush's campaign. Gives you a sense of how far we've come from the old GOP days, friends. Now now he's a centrist. We've come to that part where we're at the worst it's been in 150 years. Give me a break, you jerk. What, what, what are they even talking about? We already had an impeachment. Do, do we forget about this? Now they're saying we need to do all this fact finding. Really? Because they didn't want to find any, they didn't want to wade and look at any facts about January 6th when they wanted to rush through an impeachment against the president to try to stop him from running again. No no need for, a, you know, fact finding and and long investigations then. but now, oh, let's kind of go with it. It's all so absurd, isn't it? I mean, after a while, and, and I wish we could just avoid it. I, I wish we didn't have to to dive into it, but then we just cede the ground to the other side. Then they act like they've won. They act like uh, we're, we're admitting that this was every bit as, as horrifying as they said it was. Um, here is, look, I, I don't want to avoid this entirely on the show. I'm not going to avoid things even when I know they can bring up some dissent within the, within the right. Um, Mike Pence talked about the Capitol attack. And he was there, and he had to be rapidly escorted out of the building. Now remember, at the time, yes, it's true that they didn't know if, you know, these these people who were rioting, who broke into the building, broke into the capitol, they could have been armed. They could have had more nefarious intent than they did. Um, and a lot of them, I know, were just lunatics who were screaming stupid stuff, and some of them were screaming scary, violent things, but they didn't actually have the means, nor the will to carry that stuff out. Obviously, they didn't do it. They didn't try to do it. Um, but here's what here's what Mike Pence says about Jan. You know, he was there. He's the vice president. Here's what he says about January six. Play five.
7: January six was a dark day in the history of the United States Capitol. But thanks to the swift action of the Capitol Police and federal law enforcement, violence was quelled. The Capitol was secured. And that same day, we reconvened the Congress and did our duty under the Constitution and the laws of the United States. You know, President Trump and I have spoken many times since we left office, and I don't know if we'll ever see eye to eye on that day, but I will always be proud of what we accomplished for the American people over the last four years. And I will not allow Democrats or their allies in the media to use one tragic day to discredit the aspirations of millions of Americans.
1: That's putting this into proper perspective. It was a bad day. Shouldn't have happened. I've said it to you so many times. I, get, I, I know I, I bore myself repeating it now, but I just have to go on record. Keep going on record. It was a bad day. It shouldn't have happened. It wasn't Pearl Harbor. it wasn't 9/ 11. It wasn't even in the same stratosphere as those things. And to call it that is dishonest and is meant to take a, a minor incident and a, a more minor incident, I should say, uh, than those other issues, and use it as, uh, use it as a, as a weapon against all of the opposition to the Democrat Marxists. That's the point of it all. They're doing this intentionally. You know, I I could say that somebody who crossed the street illegally jaywalking has committed a criminal act. You could even argue that person is a criminal. But if I were running around giving speeches about how the, the great jaywalker of 2021 was a vile criminal who posed a threat to all civil order and was was causing mass deterioration in our society because of their jaywalking, you'd say I sound like a lunatic. There is a point at which it truly becomes crazy. I mean, the the level of exaggeration, uh, the, the degree of overemphasis is just inexcusable. And it's clearly intentional. It's meant to bring about a certain outcome. And the outcome is that people will be so scared of being associated with this. They'll be so terrified at the notion that they'll be considered part of the insurrection that they give up what they really believe in, that they no longer feel like they can speak openly and freely about what they what they think. I mean, I've said to you so many times that what Pennsylvania did, what the state of Pennsylvania did in the 2020 election strikes me as unconstitutional. Now, I knew, also knew and those of you who remember what I was saying, I also knew a court at the time. I told you before the decisions came down, a court was not going to say, well, we're going to we're going to discount all these votes because of what a state official did in order to expand voting or to you know, extend deadlines or whatever. Maybe we're not going to throw out millions of votes as a result of that. I knew that. But it doesn't mean what happened was OK. And it doesn't mean that in some of the heavily Democrat controlled precincts where we saw a lot of suspicious voting activity, there should not be recounts. And that creates faith in the process. Right. Trust but verify must be the way we approach elections. And and I don't understand anyone on the right who thinks that they're doing a favor to conservatism by going along with the narrative of the left that you're not even you're not even allowed to talk about the election. I'm sorry. Is this America or not? In fact, I would go so far as to say that in America, you should be allowed to say that you think the election was rigged. That doesn't mean that you're right, but you should be allowed to say it. That's an opinion. But no, they they want to take action, use the action of corporations, and when they can, the state itself to attack people for this. To say that it's a form of of you know insurrection or sedition to merely suggest that something may have been amiss in that election. Now, I know a lot of a lot of people. Uh, feel very very strongly about this one way or the other i've told you i i think that they changed the rule i think they changed rules in advance of the election in a way that violates the law and constant and constitutional norms uh, but i also say that i i think that fauci and the situation of the country was such that yeah biden biden very well did uh win the election even with It's one thing to say there's cheating. Was there was there enough cheating in enough places to change the course of the election? I haven't seen the proof of that yet. And by the way, don't get mad at me for this. I'm just telling you what I think. I think Biden I think Biden won this election. I think there was cheating, but I still think Biden won the election. You can you can actually think both things. I think Democrats do cheat in elections just routinely. I think that happens. You know, that's not a big deal to them. I think they changed the rules in a way that was unfair to benefit them right when it would be you know, of maximum advantage to the Democrat Party and to Joe Biden. But I also think that because of Fauciism and the pandemic and the psychological state of the country at the time and the media's scorched earth, lie, lie, lie approach about Trump to, yeah, I, I think it is, it is in fact the case that Joe Biden uh, won. And I think we need, to, we need to deal with this and find out if I'm right or not on this point point, uh, because and be, be certain about it because if I'm right, And Trump did lose to Biden, meaning that he really did get fewer votes in the key states. This notion that Trump should run again instead of, say, Ron DeSantis does not help us. We we need some real talk here, friends. We need to be honest with each other about this. And again, I'm not saying that I know. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm telling you what I think and what we need to be prepared for going forward, because having Trump run again and lose again is not helping us. OK, and this belief that Trump, you know, won by a lot, you know, that's so I'm. Op- but, you know, I, I'm, I'm open to other points of view on this. I'm open to other evidence that people present. And and yeah, don't don't please don't send me an email saying, Buck, you don't think the Democrats cheated? I think they cheated, but I still think that they that they uh, likely won based on the numbers I've seen in the states at issue. Uh, I still think they won even with some cheating that went on one in a whole bunch of states, folks. So we got it. We got to come to grips with this and be honest about what happened. And if there's evidence to the contrary, just show it to me. And I'll say I was wrong. I'll change my tune, you know, present it to me. So that's where I am on this. But I'll have other voices on the show that have a different point of view. I'll have other people on that that disagree with me on this. That's fine. But let's hash it out. We're not the authoritarian left. We can disagree about something. We can have a difference of opinion on the right and still respect each other, know we're on the same team, and know that we're trying to get to the same place. But we can only get there if we're honest. We can only get there if we deal in facts and reality. Let's leave the delusions to the left. Let's leave the absurdities uh, to people that think, for example, uh, you know, Dr. Fauci did a good job. Play Gen clip two.
2: And um, given that there were some things that
0: Fauci said privately, that contracted, uh, contrasted with what he said publicly, whether it was masks or whether or not someone who had the virus, you know, could had immunity or, um, you know, uh, other questions as well. I mean, does he still have confidence in uh, his NIH directors? Does this change anything
5: at all? No, the president and the administration feel that Dr. Fauci has played uh, an incredible role in getting the pandemic under control, uh, being a, a voice uh, to the public uh, throughout the course of this pandemic. And again, I would reiterate a lot of these emails are from it's 17 months ago or more, certainly predating this administration, but uh, some time ago.
1: Still full confidence in Fauci. He's amazing. Why do you think that is? Not because he's good at the pandemic stuff, because he helped them beat Trump. All right everybody the man himself is with us now Mike Lindell the inventor and uh, an owner of My Pillow you all know My Pillow is a great sponsor here on the show I've got My Pillows on my bed right now but Mike has a lot of projects he's working on he's going to tell us about some of it now Mike I, I got to ask how have you been doing ever since some of the the big box retailers decided they were going to try to try to do a, their own version of, you know, cancel culture against you. How have they I mean we we've, we've been trying to get the word out here on the show as a, as obviously My Pillows a sponsor that everyone's yeah. got to go direct. Everyone's got to get their My Pillows, get their gear, support you and obviously the great products. Yeah. How have you been doing since those big companies well, they, came at you?
4: Well, they, you know, and it's, you know, it started when I went all in against You know, I've always backed the great president Donald Trump, but the uh, as soon as I after I got evidence after January 9th, you're right, retailers uh as soon as I went after the, the, the machine people and, uh, and the fraud, then, uh, b- big retailers started dropping me. It's over 20 now. And the, and the, uh, not just the box stores, but the shopping channels all, all dropped us, even my local one here in Minnesota. And, and then you had uh, online marketing that got dropped my Twitters, my Facebook, a lot of the stuff on Facebook. And, you know, we have 2,500 employees. They all have families and, uh, and there are people in both parties, if you talk politics, but it's been absolutely amazing to answer your question that the, that everyone, your audience and everyone else has been buying direct. And I think we've gotten the word out that it's not just pillows. We have over 110 products. Um, and, uh, and that's growing every day. And that also, we have, uh, my store connected to that, which is entrepreneurs in our country, which are hundreds more products that uh, you can also get discounts on. And uh, these are USA made products that are over here by my store and the USA entrepreneurs. So it's, people have been going, man, I bought 20 of your pillows to support you. I'm going, Hey, we got a lot of other great products from slippers to bathrobes, to towels, to, you know, sheets, to beds. We have our new bed out now, Buck, the new, our new bed we're launching the infomercial. You'll see it in within uh, a few days and it's there's nothing like it i reverse engineer it took almost two years to to develop every single part of this bed because everything i do i reverse engineer it and so it helps you you know so it helps people mike how do
3: i get
1: how do i get a my bed i got
4: got, after the show here give me a call and we'll send one out
1: all right that's what i like to hear everybody we're speaking to mike lindell you'll know that mike obviously is the inventor founder and uh, the guy behind My Pillow, a great American company, all made here in America. And, and Mike, there's one other project I wanted to ask you about before we let you go back to running the My Pillow Empire. I am excited about those beds, by the way. That's going to be great. Um, I've also got the I got the My Slippers, folks. I'm wearing them right now as I'm doing the show, so I'm really I'm decked out. I'm like Garth in Wayne's World when he's got Reebok head to toe. Uh, I'm I'm a believer. But uh, Mike, you got to tell me this. The, the frank speech you've got a rally coming up here uh in what is it june 12th a frank speech rally in wisconsin what is frank speech tell tell folks about this platform
4: well it's a it's a it is a platform it's absolutely amazing we're getting all your uh like your diamond and silks and your uh um we've had uh dinesh and charlie kirk and all and uh all the all the people that you know, you're on your on your YouTubes and Vimeos that have been canceled or shadow banned, like on like on Facebook. I was talking to Diamond and Silk. They had uh, they have I don't know millions of followers, but they when they do a, when they do a, a broadcast. It might only reach a hundred people, or, or, or maybe a little more than that. You know, maybe ten thousand. But, but that's what they're doing out there. So, what we did, I spent a lot of time in developing FrankSpeech.com. It's a platform, Frank. It's a broadcast network thing right now, where you go there, you're getting your news. Yesterday, two million people came there and, uh, and page views, and it's it's a safe place where you're. It's now a secure. You can't break it. I have all my own servers. They're not going to be able to take down our voice of free speech. So to get the word out, we're doing a free speech rally, uh, you know, Frank's speech. And uh, but it's basically about our freedom, our First Amendment rights of free speech. It is June 12th in Wisconsin. And we've got, like I say, Diamond and Silk for coming to Nash, Dinesh, daughter, um, Chris Cox, uh, Brandon House, Charlie Kirk uh, myself and the, uh, and president Donald Trump is going to come in on the jumbotron and he's going to, he's going to speak. So it's going to be, we've already got about 15,000 people signed up. It's free, everybody. It's free. You go to frankspeech.com. You can get free tickets. Uh, we expect, um, you know, tens of thousands of people, but it's a it's basically a festival. It's going to be five hours at least and, uh, music speaking and, uh, We've got food trucks. We've got, and this is a great place in Wisconsin where the, there's a lot of other camping and uh, a lot of other things going on. So it's uh, you can come spend the whole weekend. Uh, but it's uh, it's basically get the word out and get our get our um, um, our First Amendment rights of free speech uh, to protect them, and and, uh, and that's what it's all about.
1: Go check it out, everybody. Mike Lindell, the man himself, behind my pillow. Uh, remember if you go to mypillow.com use that promo code buck everybody mike always great to have you man thank you so much
4: thanks buck thanks for having me on god bless
1: y'all oh she is back with us now always interesting always provocative the one and only ann coulter 13 time new york times best-selling author go to anncoulter.com for her latest column miss coulter great to have you
6: good to be
2: here buck sexton
1: so tell everybody about what's going on with the folks at some of these companies that take your DNA and tell you, you know, who your who your grandparents are and all this other stuff and why they're not they're not willing to help out on the law enforcement side. What's going on?
6: Yes, it's odd. It's in response the strangest thing. This was is like ancestry.com. Some of them are t- participating. Um, and And um, many of you may have heard about the the huge success when California investigators and an FBI lawyer um, captured the Golden State killer, this monster serial killer and and massively serial rapist um, who terrorized California for decades. Um, They just caught them in 2018, and I kept (laughs) reading all these articles, like in the New York Times, about the controversy of how, I think it's G-E-D-N-A or something like that, one of these genetic... um, profiling websites had had allowed that law enforcement was very clever they put in a sample of the california the golden state killers dna taken from a rape kit obviously that who, who whomever semen that was was the killer um and and from by putting that into the to the profile they could locate distant relatives of the Golden State Killer. They put together a family tree. It took a lot of work, Um, narrowed down their search, came to this guy, Joseph James D'Angelo, living near Sacramento, and then put him under surveillance until they could get directly his DNA. It's a hit, bingo! They finally got their guy. Um, and one thing I've noticed from reading about about these genealogical websites is that, despite the TV ads, um, if you've seen any of them, um, it's it's overwhelmingly identifying. Um, People of European descent, those are people who are very interested in ancestry, that's where you have a lot of ancestry information, and according to Israeli researchers, in a few years, 90% of people with European ancestry will be locatable, um, findable on these genealogical websites. Um, so in the in the middle of of a world where we're being tracked in everything we do, when um, you know your Echo is spying on you, Google is spying on you, companies are selling your names and information. You no, know, these Democratic lobbyists bullied Ancestry.com and a few others into refusing to allow law enforcement to engage in this brilliant, this is really quite brilliant technique to find um solve unsolvable cases and with absolute 100 percent certainty um dna is absolutely revolutionary um it seems weird that that it's a fairly recent discovery but criminals used to leave their dna all over the crime scene um and that's what makes a lot of these true crime stories so much fun they end up getting the guy dead to rights Um, as as an active proponent of the death penalty. I've been listening to liberals for years wail about, oh, but there's always mistakes. Humans are involved. We're executing the wrong man. No, no, at least since 1945, and it's hard to get good records, pre-1945 there is no credible evidence that an innocent man has ever been put to death in this country. We ought to use it a lot more. It has a terrific deterrent effect. Well, here, after all their whining about... The wrong man, and what if we have the wrong man? Now we have now we have DNA evidence that is 100% accurate. Um, no, no disputing this. I mean, if it's if it's tested on on evidence that could only have come from the killer or the rapist, of which there often is. Um, and Ancestry.com, along with a few others, Heritage, I think, um, have agreed that no, no, we're going to uh, hamstring law enforcement now. They're going to have to go get a court order. And I was just looking at this thinking, for Pete's sake, Ancestry, how many ACLU types do you have on your website? How about that? That's who you're trying to get to like you, Um, these nut pro-criminal groups? Um, It's a wonderful device. Um, and I think quite appalling that these genealogical websites won't allow law enforcement to use it. now, obviously, especially people on on our side of the fence are worried about government overreach and misuse of things, but uh, um, okay, complain about that when it happens. Evidently, yeah, well, I, I also feel
1: like Anna, i don't really want I don't really want to hear from the ACLU types now about the need to protect privacy and civil liberties when we were just told. Wear two, you know, cloths over your face or else and don't go outside and don't go to church for over a year. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I feel like the civil libertarians lost a step somewhere in there.
6: I leave it to buck to come up with an even better example <laughs> yes yes buck Sexton, i think they have lost a little of their street crat <laughs>
5: yeah
1: it, it, it seems like they're coming to this one a little a little, little late in the game and uh, we're speaking to ann coulter everybody anncoulter.com for her latest column and ann, I, I gotta get your your reaction to the the big story this week about these these fauci emails And people are going to say, oh, there's no smoking gun of a cover-up here and everything else. Okay, but you look at this, and there's plenty of commentary about lab leak. There's plenty of commentary about gain-of-function research. And I'm sorry, I remember, and you you were on the show, we were talking about this many times, that if you brought any of that stuff up until about five minutes ago, you were a crazy conspiracy theorist who should probably go to a re-education camp somewhere.
6: Yes yes this is yet another example and by the way i still think it came from the wet markets but um i mean who knows i will say we do not know but oh my gosh what a lot of lying went on about this and and i mean like the biden um hunter biden investigation in the new york post suspended from twitter i mean our our our, our first amendment censors have been caught up now twice in pretty major stories that they were lying to the public about the hunter biden thing and and the credibility it 's certainly possible that it came from from a lab and it turns out that these these scientists um, from respectable institutions um, I mean, it really shows you that even you can just say, "Oh, you're a naive idiot, Anne," and I am a naive idiot. But but even people like me who think that they're immune to to you know the clarion call of experts and scientists, I certainly don't believe them on global warming. Um, but there were enough of them from serious institutions. Scripps Howard seemed to have no political. Political mode of saying no. We've looked at this. It couldn't have been genetically um, or you know engineered in a lab. Um, <laughs> and now at least it looks like um, they they were getting um, to use the cliche a little a little um, far out over their skis. Um, no, that turns out that yeah, it could be. It could have come from a lab. Um, we were lied to about that. We were lied to by scientists. We were lied to probably a lot because. T- to mention it in passing one of his press conferences, which, you know, is a pretty broad basis on which to start banning theories, since Trump would ramble on about a lot of stuff.
1: Yeah, they, they really think that Trump said it, therefore we opposed it, is, is a real defense which is pretty remarkable (laughs) when you think about the scope of what that would really entail. And all the you know, you know, Trump also said that like China is stealing our intellectual property. And, you know, the the Chinese Communist Party is, you know, there are a lot of things he said that were true and we all know were true and that sometimes people didn't want to hear. So I think that's interesting. But I want you to pull out the the Coulter malarkey detector for me for a second here, because one thing that I keep hearing is that the 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 coronavirus leak from lab theory is racist and and i always want to just point out i'm i'm of the mind i'm of the mind that thinking that this came from the very unusual practice of you know turning civets into kebabs or bat soup or whatever (laughs) is much more likely to create cultural misunderstanding shall we say but that's the one that they keep pushing
6: I mean, either way, this this came from China. I find it, as everyone else, every normal person, I think, considers it odd that's obsession with denying it came from China. We, I mean, what Ebola was from an, a river named Ebola in Africa. Lyme disease from Lyme, Connecticut. It's a fairly natural thing to do. In fact, the only disease I can think of that was unfairly blamed, if you want to say blamed, the name attached to it, is the Spanish flu, which I only realized a few years ago, when it was called the Spanish flu, it didn't hit Spain at all, it was just that Spanish newspapers were the only ones who, that were writing about it because the other countries didn't want to hurt their war efforts. Yeah,
1: censorship, there event. was censorship about that flu too, everybody, just remember <laughs> that.
6: But it's China's fault One way or another, either they're disgusting wet markets, which ought to be shut down in any event, um, or the lab leak, um, and they lied about what was happening as it was happening. They didn't warn the world about it. Um, I mean, one argument against against the lab theory, at least that it was an intentional lab leak, is that apparently China is doing very poorly as a result of this. So if this was if this was a plan for them to gain the upper hand, it certainly backfired on them. But in any event, yeah, of course it came from China. The idea that that is the racist. Theory, as opposed to the disgusting wet markets, um no, it makes no sense. It's it's become just like a reflex for liberals. It's I'm also trying to
1: I'm trying to popularize this this and for everyone to understand that mm-hmm. that Marxism uh, or communism, you know, either or, gave us COVID nineteen. Here's how the reason there are wet markets now, and that's assuming I know that maybe it came from a lab, but the reason that there are wet markets where SARS was traced previously, a previous SARS yes, outbreak was traced trace to a wet market but they exist because of the mao policies around farming and there was mass starvation as we all know there was the great famine so in rural parts of china people started to actually breed and raise wild animals for food and then this became cultural practice and they started to imbue some of these animals with special characteristics if you would eat them there were special medicinal properties involved and this then became a big cultural practice uh, i think They say that it even became a big monetary thing for the Chinese Communist Party to make. So Marxism gave us wet markets, which gave us diseases like this and or perhaps COVID-19.
6: That's actually true. That's very good, Buck. Thank you. You should write that up.
1: I think I will. I think I. I think I. I think I'm gonna make a make a move. Now that I've said it to you on air, I'm like that actually does make a lot of sense. I think we should tell everybody about this. A reminder of why Marxism is such a bad thing. What before before we uh, before I let you go back to writing your columns in and all the rest you got going on. Just just wondering here. Um, we have AOC complaining about Trump <laughs> not sending money for her grandmother in Puerto Rico. AOC has two apartments and drives around in a $70,000 sports car. She's sharing photos of her grandmother in Puerto Rico's roof caving in. I think this is an AOC problem.
6: <laughs> yes, it would be nice if she'd do something for her grandmother. It, and another failure of, of, of communism or socialism. It is, it is strange that it doesn't even strike her. Um, that this is an embarrassing thing for her to do. Um, someone's, my my grandmother is in trouble, therefore it's the government's fault and I don't have to lift a finger. That level of psychotic dependency and, and entitlement, that doesn't just emerge in the wild. No, that's years of government rushing in, taking the blame, oh, we're so sorry here, let us scoop the food up and put it into your mouth.
1: AOC, everybody. She's the congresswoman from Queens. We got Ann Coulter joining us now, anncoulter.com. And thanks, as always. Appreciate you being with us. Good
6: Good to talk to you, Buck Sexton. Bye-bye.
1: What does former President Trump think of the latest revelations about Dr. Fauci? Well, we got a statement out here from the president, an emailed statement, in which he lets everybody know exactly what his feelings are former president writes, there are a lot of questions that must be answered by Dr. Fauci. The funding of Wuhan by the U.S. was foolishly started by the Obama administration in 2014, but ended under the Trump administration. When I heard about it, I said, no way. What did Dr. Fauci know about gain of research and when did he know it? That was in the first email. The president has got to be pretty annoyed about this situation let's all be very clear about that president trump would well see what i just did there former president trump would likely still be president trump if it were not for the little lab coat tyrant fauci who would you know stand up at the press conference in the early days of covid and he would say you know let's just Let's just make sure everyone's maximum level freaked out and let's undermine the president's credibility a little bit on this issue and make sure that everybody at home is going to be particularly terrified beyond reason or rationality in order to make sure they're more compliant and therefore more likely to turn to the state and to the Democrat Party, which will promise falsely to offer them protection, and Fauci is a central part of that whole equation. There was a second email that went out from Donald Trump. Quote, Now everyone, even the so-called enemy, are beginning to say that President Trump was right about the China virus coming from the Wuhan lab. The correspondence between Dr. Fauci and China speaks too loudly for anyone to ignore. China should pay Ten trillion dollars to America and the world for the death and destruction they caused. After seeing the emails, our country is fortunate I didn't do what Dr. Fauci wanted me to do. For instance, Trump writes, I closed our borders to China very early despite his not wanting them closed. The Democrats and the fake news media even called me a xenophobe. In the end, we saw this was a life saving decision and likewise with closing our borders to Europe, specifically to certain heavily infected countries. I was later given credit even by Tony for saving hundreds of thousands of lives. Trump continues. Dr. Fauci also didn't put an emphasis on speed of vaccine production because he thought it would take three, four or maybe even five years to create. I got it done in less than nine months with Operation Warp Speed, the president said. End quote. That's right. Operation Warp Speed was the only really successful government response to the pandemic. And that was something that occurred entirely on and was run by President Trump. It was on his watch and he was in charge of it. Does the media give credit for that? Do they do they speak honestly about the fact that it's a near miracle that we got the vaccine in production as quickly as as we did, and this was a government-directed program. Now, it is, the, uh, it, it is also private sector pharmaceutical companies that should take a bow here, but the CDC, the health bureaucrats, places like the National Institute of Health, the NIH, the CDC, they were a disaster, an absolute disaster the entire time, okay? We need to be clear about this. We need to make sure we all understand that the CDC... Failed at every critical step of this pandemic. What exactly did they step up to do that saved lives? They put these completely arbitrary and very destructive restrictions in place. Anyway, President Trump knows this. It's a shame that more of the facts couldn't come out in time for the election. Remember, they were still saying there wasn't going to be a vaccine in 2020 when there was a vaccine at the end of the year that was in distribution, beginning its distribution. But Trump did not get the credit he deserved for handling the pandemic as well as he did under the circumstances. Instead, they just focused on exaggerating every little statement he made, pretending like he was a covid denier. It was all part of what they always do, which is create massive lies to build a narrative of the evil Republicans and the evil Trumpsters that you have to vote against. It was it was just outrageous. The whole thing, honestly, it was it was absurd and I'm just glad that Trump is throwing some punches at little Fauci. Is the world of comic books being overrun by wokeness? Well, since we're talking about it, you probably have a pretty good guess here. But let's speak to somebody who actually knows this world inside and out and has had considerable success in it. Ethan Van Skyver is with us now. He is the owner of All Caps Comics and has the YouTube channel Comic Artist Pro Secrets and has been involved with well, he'll tell us. Ethan, thanks so much for joining.
7: Buck Sexton, what a what a pleasure. What a privilege. So tell
1: honor. me, my man, what are some of in, in the old days, some of the comics for the folks listening that you illustrated, created, were involved in? What were some of the names?
7: I worked at DC Comics and Marvel Comics, but mostly DC for about two decades. I worked on Green Lantern and the Flash, Batman, Superman, all of the big titles.
1: Why this is a little bit of a departure, but I have to ask. I'm curious. Why was the Green Lantern movie so bad?
7: I don't know. It ruined everything. No, see, I, I was working with Jeff Johns. We actually took Green Lantern and made it into DC Comics number two franchise. And then it got the movie. And I don't know what happened. It killed all of our momentum. It was awful.
1: I kind of because I always liked the Green Lantern. And now I feel like he, he's, you know, been people think of that movie with, uh, you know, I forget the handsome guy. I forget his name. But it wasn't a good movie anyway. I want to ask you, though, about what happened, because you're you're working with some of the top the top comic book uh, characters out there, working with them, creating them, not like holding, not like hanging out with Superman. You're making Superman. But in your case, the Green Lantern, not Superman. Um, But you're doing these things. And then, well, what happened? Tell us your story. I mean, and and obviously it has a happy ending, which we're going to get to. But what happened to you?
7: oh well, thank goodness for that yeah i uh, everybody knew i was a republican but the entire comic book industry is made up of uh left-wingers uh and everything was okay people kind of used to joke with me until trump won when trump won the election in 2016 they all turned on me it was very very strange and i i didn't understand why it was very naive i just went hey it's our turn you know my guy won hooray and i wore the red maga hat on twitter and the Instantly, like people I thought were my friends targeted me for utter uh, annihilation. It was awful. Uh, And uh, basically, I think like I got a few like creepy emails from people who were professionals who kind of said, how could you do this? How could you turn on your peers who are uh, gay and and LGBTQ and people of color? And I said, I just voted for, for the president. I don't understand what you're talking about. But they all teamed up and they got 19 writers uh, at DC Comics to sign and co-sign a letter saying they'd never work with me. Uh, they sent that to the highest uh, executives at Warner Brothers. And uh, my time was quickly uh, at an end at DC Comics. How
1: how woke is the comic book industry now? I mean, give us a sense. See, I, I grew up. I liked the X-Men growing up. That was really the only comic book series that I knew a bit from actually buying some comics and everything. This is when I was a kid, maybe third, fourth, fifth grade. Um, and it was very different then, obviously. And this is a long time ago now. I don't know. We're, I think we're, we're pretty close to the same age. A few, you're a couple of years older than me. And, and how much has the comic book industry, which is a big industry, I mean, especially now that people think of these billion-dollar movie franchises attached to it, you know, there's big dollars involved here. How, how woke has it gotten,
7: Ethan? Well, it's gotten progressively no pun intended, more and more woke, because I think these ideas appeal to people uh, who just, you know, who live kind of insular, quiet lives. Uh, You know, we're all alone in our little workspaces. We live on the Internet. Uh, And so all of these uh, ideas that come with uh, tremendous peer pressure are incredibly appealing uh, to people who are already sort of voting Democrat. Uh, And uh, basically what happened was these feminists basically showed up in the comic book industry, took a look around themselves, assessed uh, what this male dominated space looked like to them and just basically said, it's kind of sexist here, guys. Uh, Maybe you should let us come in here and make some changes so that it's a little less offensive and oppressive to women.
1: Now, can I just jump in? I mean, I'm I'm assuming because, you know, the the women have. You know the equivalent of what would be a fourteen-inch waist and a let's say a a busty cup size. That this was considered, uh, this was considered you know highly insensitive and feminists get enraged by this kind of thing. But having seen enough comics, whether it's Cyclops or Superman or Wolverine, those guys don't have six packs. They have like thirty-two packs and are the equivalent of you know zero percent body fat. And you know, I mean like. They're comics, right? Aren't they supposed to be an elevated ideal of, of, of human physiques that aren't supposed to be real?
7: Of course, that's what comics have always been. That's the appeal of them. It's the idealized human form uh, for both men and women. Uh, you know, that's why people kind of like them and have always been attracted to them. Uh, but uh, I think feminists just thought, hey, if we kind of cover up these characters a little bit more, uh, stop having this sort of, uh oppressive idea that men mostly rescue women and women want to be rescued by men. Let's let's show some women rescuing men every now and then and and, and things like that. Let's cover up skin. Uh, and uh, they did this really strange thing where they they started to decide that superheroines' breasts were too big and they started to shrink them and cover them up and and change female anatomy into these really strange you have to actually see what they've done with characters like Captain Marvel, uh, characters like She-Hulk. It is very, very, very peculiar, very strange.
1: We're speaking uh, of Ethan Van Skyver. He is the owner of All Caps Comics and uh, the YouTube channel Comic Artist Pro Secret. So, so you get you get the woke mob coming after you because you're a Republican and you work in the comic industry, just like this has happened to people who are actors uh, and people who are. Athletes, if you don't toe the woke line, you know somehow it never goes in the other direction. Where if you're super left wing and progressive, all of a sudden a bunch of right wingers demand that you no longer can work in an industry or you're you're not allowed to pursue your life passion anymore. We all know that's just there's a huge double standard here. But then what did you decide to do? Because I I like the story that you have to tell here, Ethan, because you created. We often talk as conservatives about making our own social media platforms and making our own look. I want conservative-leaning movie studios. I want conservative-leaning more conservative-leaning news channels and things like that. You did something with comics. Tell us what you did.
7: Yeah, we have to do that. We have to make our own spaces. So I realized early on that one of the big problems that comics uh, lacks is a a promotional marketing device. So I went on YouTube, and I just started talking about comics, uh, built up a crowd of about 150,000 subscribers, And that was my promotional vehicle. From there, I used Indiegogo, which is a great crowdfunding platform, uh, to raise money to make my own comic books. Uh, And we have raised, I think to date, nearly $4 million uh, that we have used to put out comics. My book is called Cyber Frog. Uh, It's been a tremendous success. uh, And I've started to pull in other blacklisted conservative comic book creators uh, to uh, publish them within my company. Uh, it's been great. It really is great. But we're still of course, we're still being targeted by leftists who are hoping to uh, uh, to stop all cam- all caps comics from uh, succeeding. And, and uh, but, this is
1: are, are you targeted by some of the same groups, you know, these sleeping giants? And or is there a specific, you know, comic book b- mob that comes after people?
7: Yeah. um, Yes. They're they're calling what this whole conflict is between the left and then, you know, the right in comics. It's called Comicsgate uh, because they want to sort of remind people of Gamergate. Uh, We adopted that. We just said, yes, we're Comicsgate. That's right. We are the gate to better comics in the future. Sure. Uh, That's who we are. Uh, They've, of course, they're targeting us. They're saying we harass women and trans and They're using their typical leftist playbook to kind of smear and slime us in the hopes that, you know, Cyberfrog or any of the books that we put out never become movies or video games. But the thing is, they can't really stop us because we have built our own platform. We do have our own audience uh, and there's no way that they can really gatekeep that. They can't really prevent us um, from selling and marketing to each other. Um, So it's I don't think it's ever going to end, unfortunately. but. We do need more people to actually, you know, start up video game companies uh, that keep social justice warriors out. Um, you know, more movies, more television, uh, more different platforms that um, are immune uh, to this kind of uh, this kind of stuff.
1: Ethan Van Sky for everybody, owner of All Caps Comics. Ethan, if people want to check out your your work. And and, you know, the 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 frog, uh, (laughs) some of the comic book uh, titles you got to tell us where they can go.
7: Oh, oh, you can go on Indiegogo. You can go on Google and just look for Cyber Frog. You can look for Rainbow the Brute, Snowman, uh, Creed, uh, Starblades. uh, And we have some of the coolest titles. I think you're going to be very, very excited. We keep our standards very, very high. uh, And uh, I think we're uh, I think people are going to be pretty pleased with uh, our product. Inve-
1: Ethan Van Sky, everybody. Ethan, thank you so much, man. Good luck to you.
7: Thanks, Buck.
0: Hey, Team Buck. It's time for roll call.
1: Well, I am excited that the weekend is upon us, my friends. I plan to curl up in a ball and just, you know, just relax watch a movie Uh, the snow princess has never seen Braveheart, so i think i'm going to watch it with her which might be the hundredth time i've seen that movie but i don't care it's amazing every time um but yeah it's uh it's good things bruce and mark any anything on the docket for you my man are there are there any sports events i saw lebron james lost which a lot of conservatives are happy about you know lebron takes the l
3: yes i was surprised at that too usually uh whoever has the best player wins in the nba
1: so it looks like yeah. the nets
3: will win the championship congratulations to the Brooklyn nets on winning a championship
1: really yeah the nets are that good well, I didn't know I was unaware they have of that. three
3: of the top players on earth uh, Kevin Durant Kyrie Irving and James Harden all play on the same team
1: oh yeah that sounds like a very good team of basketball players
3: uh, yes uh, they are quite good yeah, okay. it's hard to well, be I, bad I, with that level of talent
1: Look, I'm. I'm ha- New York could use a little bit of a of a boost right now. You know, it's it's going no. through a tough time. Do you know
3: what the thing is with the Nets though? Nobody in New York cares. What the national basketball scene cares about the Nets because they're a super team in New York. It's a Knicks town. Nobody cares.
1: That's so strange, isn't it? I mean, how could you have the best team in Brooklyn, best team possibly in the country, therefore in the world, and the locals don't care?
3: Because in New York. The difference of, like, Mets, Mets or Yankees are good, everyone cares. Giants or Jets are good, everyone cares. But with basketball and hockey, if the Knicks and the Rangers are good, the city buzzes. If anyone el- any of the other teams are good, nobody cares.
1: Well, yeah, aren't the Islanders, though, not pl- – they don't play in New York City, right?
3: Well, they play on Long Island.
1: Right. So that makes sense.
3: Yeah, sure.
1: I mean, I'm sure Long Island gets excited Yeah, about Long it. Island's
3: just... very excited right now. They're on a playoff run, yeah. There you go.
1: Well, so Producer Mark's going to enjoy his weekend, which makes everybody very happy. He'll be a happy Producer Mark on Monday, so that's going to make for a better show. Um, Let's get to some of your thoughts here, folks. Dennis, first up here. Buck, congrats on the new time slot. I always felt that with the content you put together, along with the definitive way you deliver it, mixed with just the right amount of humor, is by far the best to take Rush's spot, but must admit the selfish part of me was hesitant to want that and risk losing the podcast that I'm addicted to. Our country will be better off with you in that time slot. Thank you, and Mark, for the great work you do. Dennis, thank you. Let me just say that the podcast is going to continue. Those of you who are podcast listeners, the Buck Sexton show does not stop. The radio show is changing. So if you're a radio listener, you can listen to me 12 to 3 on whatever station you're listening to me on right now. You can listen to me on that station 12 to 3 starting June 21st with Clay Travis, the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show. I think we're going to have to start calling it C&B or something like that. And uh, the podcast, though, will continue daily, as is. Just be me, doing exact, what you're used to now, that's the plan. The podcast will continue. Uh, it won't be quite as long. It'll probably be about 45 minutes instead of what is current. Producer Mark, how long is our podcast currently? One forty five hour 45?
3: Yeah, around there.
1: Yeah. So it'll be about half the length, but you'll get, you know, the big news of the day and all that stuff. So the podcast will still be there for you. There we have it. Anthony. Hey, Buck and producer Mark. I started listening to you on CBM, WCBM over here in Baltimore, and I got to say that I was miffed. You just taken over the spot of he who sounds like an angry duck, according to my wife. Then I started listening to you and realized that I only needed to listen to you and Rush. You and producer Mark are the great ones. I knew you'd be taking over Russia's time slot eventually. God has great things in store for you if you continue to follow his will. By faith, I believe that part of God's will is you releasing part two of your Siege of Malta podcast before you move on to bigger and better things. Seriously. Anthony, it's happening. Siege of Malta will happen before the big show, I can assure you of that. And thank you for giving me a shot. I know that you know I I replaced somebody uh, else over at WCBM a while ago uh, in that time slot. And... Let's just say that uh, it, it displeased that individual from what I understand greatly, but uh, the ratings have been very strong, and I appreciate the folks who actually listened to me were like, "Oh, I actually like this." So.
2: Quack, quack, <laughs> quack.
1: Yeah, I just leave, just let's leave it there. Quack, quack. All right. Joel. Hey, Bucket producer, Mark, huge congrats on the new show. I've been listening and passing the buck nearly every day since you first debuted on Omaha's KFAB during lockdown. One of the things that kept me going was the thought of you and Mark having post podcast uh, post COVID rather margaritas on the sidewalk of Manhattan. It's about time to celebrate. I say, how about Friday, June 18th? Send me your PayPal info. Round one is on me. Sincerely. Thank you guys for all your great shows. Joel in Nebraska. Thank you, Joel. Producer Mark. I do owe you margaritas on the street in New York now that we've reopened. So. Yeah, we're
3: actually
1: going to have to make that happen. Yeah, we got to make that happen. We'll go to a Mexican place. What's your go-to Mexican order at a restaurant? Like, what do you order?
3: Depends on what I'm in the mood for, but I love enchiladas, uh, burritos, or maybe a nice chimichanga.
1: Yeah. Yeah, stuff like that. Enchiladas get me pretty fired up. Enchiladas are great. Yeah. See, this is the part of the show where I get hungry, too. But yeah, enchiladas, are you can't go wrong with that one. I will say I like, if, they, if they're soft, I like soft tacos. I do not like hard taco shell. Hard taco shell, hard pass. Cannot accept.
3: Yeah, because you take one bite and the whole thing falls apart.
1: It breaks and you're yeah. like, what is this? And I'm stabbing my cheeks with this taco that's all cracked. Soft, smooth, soft taco. That's how we like it. Corn tacos, baby. Soft. That's for the Buckster. Muy bueno or whatever.
3: And if they're not corn, Buck will be very angry in the morning.
1: That's correct, too. Lee, Bucket Producer Mark, congratulations on your well-earned success. I try to listen every day, and I'm deeply inspired by your show. I purchased some recreational property in northeastern Washington and built a small shed. Everyone asks me what it's called, and thanks to you, it's now known as the Freedom Hut. Well, that's great, Lee. It makes me very happy to hear that. Fantastic. Keep up the great work. I'm happy you'll be on a much larger platform starting June 21st. Shields time, my brother. Yeah, Lee, I think it'll be the largest radio platform, certainly in that time slot, in the country. So we're very excited about that. Number one, that's that's a pretty big deal. All right, everybody, honored to have you with me. Have a great weekend. Pass the buck. Tell people about the podcast, and then let them know it's going to keep going. Shields high.